This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Welcome to The Baton, a John Williams musical journey. Join host Jeff Cummings as he takes you through the career of the illustrious film composer John Williams, starting with his debut in 1959 through more than 100 films in 60 years. Now here's your host, Jeff Cummings. Welcome to the show, everyone, and thanks for joining me today. I want you to settle in for this episode that focuses on the film The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing, a western starring Burt Reynolds that got John Williams back into the saddles and spurs genre after six films dealing for the most part with contemporary stories. Tom Sawyer would be the lone exception to that. We're now in the summer of 1973 and John Williams was pretty much book solid for a year. He had just wrapped up the recording of the score to The Paper Chase, which wouldn't be released until October, and was looking forward to working on the score to Mark Rydell's Cinderella Liberty at the end of the summer. It was also at this time that Williams was looking forward to another film that was filming in summer 1973. It was to be the feature film directorial debut of an upstart director named Steven Spielberg. Williams met Spielberg in late 1972, the result of Spielberg's insistence that Williams be his composer after hearing the maestro's work on The Reavers, as well as The Poseidon Adventure, which had just come out in theaters. Spielberg talked about the film he was getting ready to shoot, a cops and robbers film set in Texas. Without seeing one frame of film, Williams agreed to work with Spielberg based on the young man's enthusiasm and his deep knowledge of Williams' music. So, Williams had two film assignments awaiting him at the tail end of summer 1973. But first, he would step in to help a struggling production. Earlier that year, word was spreading around Hollywood about the scandal surrounding the man who loved cat dancing. The film told the story of a group of men who rob a train and take hostage a woman who witnessed the crime. The film's producer, Martin Pohl, reportedly did everything he could to keep the screenwriter, Eleanor Perry, off the set, and did not consult with her about any script changes. Perry cited sexism as the reason she was blocked from the set, this coming at a time when Julia Phillips became the first woman to win the Best Picture Oscar for producing The Sting the same year, but I suppose that was of little consequence to producer Martin Pohl. Also, the film was marred by the death of David Whiting, who was the assistant to actor Sarah Miles, the female star of the movie. Whiting's death was ruled a suicide, but the investigation into that suicide was scandalous. Miles and co-star Burt Reynolds were never questioned about the death until after a judge ordered it, and in this inquest, it was revealed that Whiting and Miles were having an affair, 
causing a shakeup in Miles's marriage. The film had gotten a lot of publicity before shooting began, as many actresses wanted the role that Sarah Miles got. And who wouldn't want to be starring in a love story with Burt Reynolds, who had just posed nude in Cosmopolitan the year before and had a hit with Deliverance to become the number one movie star in the world? The turmoil for the film continued into post-production. Frenchman Michel Legrand, one of the most popular composers in the world at the time, was hired as composer, but his tenure did not last long. From the start, he had to work quickly to compose his score, since the production went well over his schedule. Despite that, MGM was set for a June 1973 release date. When Legrand arrived in Hollywood to record his compositions, he didn't get too far in the process before he was fired over creative differences. I've talked about this before on the podcast. I never understand why producers and directors don't give composers another shot to write a score they would like. What happens, seemingly, is that the original composer is fired and another composer is hired right away to work quickly to produce something that fits more in line with the director's vision. That's what happened here. At the time, John Williams was not really the best-known composer for Westerns. The men who had revolutionized music for Westerns, Dmitry Tiomkin and Ennio Morricone, were likely on the list of replacements, but Tiomkin seemed to be retired from composing, and Morricone was busy with 10 Italian films on his schedule that year. The producers only had to look back one year to figure out who was the right composer for the job. John Williams' work on The Cowboy surely impressed director Richard Serafian, and the director hired Williams for what many believe would be a big moneymaker. This would be the second film in which Williams would serve as replacement composer. His days writing 30 minutes or so of music per week during his TV days had to help him get the job because Williams needed to write the score very quickly to get the film ready for its New York City world premiere on June 28, 1973. According to the information on the CD release of the score, Legrand was recording his score on June 6, 7, and 8. John Williams started recording on June 14. That means they must have fired Legrand on June 9th, hired Williams on June 10th, and he wrote this score in three days. Amazing. The score to The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing is nowhere as good as the music for The Reavers, the last replacement score that Williams wrote. There is an attempt to tap into that type of music, though, with some Copeland-esque flavors flowing through. The finished product only has about 30 minutes of music in it, and I was surprised that there wasn't more music in the movie. But the time crunch meant Williams was pressed to write music only for the scenes that really needed music. This was a very different era of film scoring. I've mentioned this before about the music for The Poseidon Adventure, but if Cat Dancing were made in the 21st century, it would have had 100 minutes of music in its 110-minute running time. A couple of very dramatic scenes feature no music. The sequence at the home of Jay's former sergeant in the Civil War could have used a theme for Jay or Catherine. And there's a scene when Indians attack that missed a major opportunity to have music. Music comes in after the attack, but its impact is not as great. I am enjoying this period of film scores because once we get to the era of wall-to-wall music, you'll hear me groan a lot about unnecessary music. In the mid-1970s, we're getting meaningful music, not just music written to put noise into the movie. The music from a rejected score is often never released commercially, and for good reason. 
But Film Score Monthly put out a CD in 2002 with Williams' music and added on 22 minutes of Legrand's music that was recorded. I'm going to play the main title music that both composers wrote, which offered them the, the chance to set the tone with a little more than two minutes of music. You can make up your mind if one is better than the other. Because he composed his first, let's listen to what Michelle Legrand wrote. And before I comment on that, let's hear what Williams contributed.
You can hear that Williams was evoking his work on the Cowboys with the use of instruments you would find in a Western film, harmonica and guitar among them, with the pianola providing some good color like those you might find in a saloon. Legrand's music is dominated by the flute, and it seems like he is going for the more romantic approach to the film, which won't really get the juices flowing for the audience in the theater ready to watch a primarily action film. That's the only instance in which I can compare what the two composers wrote for each scene, because the music for the rest of Legrand's score doesn't specify the scenes for which they were composed. But I'll give you a taste of one portion of Legrand's music. And here's music for what might have been an action scene. I don't think Legrand's music is bad. It makes me feel like I'm watching a Western, but I think the producers might have been very gung-ho about having a Copeland-esque score for the movie, and Legrand just couldn't provide it. Williams did provide that Copeland feel right away in the first moment of underscore. 
The film opens with the train robbery, but there is no music for that. The music begins when Jay Grobart, the leader of the robbers played by Burt Reynolds, jumps off the train and the rest of his gang take off with the money. This is pretty much standard action music from Williams, featuring great performances on the strings, as well as the trumpet and banjo. It is almost a bit too comical for a scene that features a couple of people shot to death. In the main title music, you heard themes for Jay and Catherine, as well as the love theme they will share. In the one scene in which Catherine, played by Sarah Miles, is plotting an escape from the robbers who have kidnapped her, Williams plays her theme on harmonica, then makes it more soothing by putting it in the woodwinds. Sort of the way he slowly built the love theme in The Empire Strikes Back with Han Solo and Leia, Williams builds the love theme in cat dancing as Jay and Catherine are at first at odds. In a somewhat humorous scene, Williams puts in some plucked strings, very common for comedic effect, as Catherine deals with being bound by a rope and forced to sleep next to Jay after her foiled escape attempt. Before that, the love theme comes through here on the clarinet, with the harp in the background.
So, I mentioned a scene featuring an attack by Indians that got no music. The CD by Filmscore Monthly unearthed the music that was intended for that scene. It's pretty much intense action music, highlighted by atonal performances on the piano and strings. The scene itself is already intense, with the Indians killing the Native American who was part of the robbery, then shooting another of the robbers and almost raping Catherine before Jay intervenes. I watched the film on mute while listening to this music, and it might have been too intrusive. The Indian attack and the escape by one of Jay's henchmen means Jay and Catherine are the only ones left to continue the trip to some unknown location. After a while, the two approach a deserted mining town and set out to play house, I suppose. Catherine makes a decent meal for Jay, then runs out when she thinks she has done a bad job. Jay consoles her, and we get a full statement of the love theme on trumpet. Using the trumpet as Jay consoles her makes the music bolder, stronger, and more sure of itself. In previous iterations, it was always on unsteady ground. Next up, you'll hear the guitar pick up the theme as they embrace. The harmonica at the end of the key was a nice touch, very sweet, but still rooted in the Western tradition. This is the best part of the film, musically, boosting a scene you knew was bound to happen.
Catherine happened upon the robbery earlier in the film because she was running away from her husband. That man, played by George Hamilton, joins the party looking for Jay, and they don't get any kind of theme music. The only thing that comes close to being a leitmotif for them is the timpani playing for them in the second part of the movie, especially as they get closer to catching Jay and Catherine. Here's a bit of that timpani performance, aided by low notes on the piano. The end of the movie actually threw me for a bit of a surprise. Jay and Catherine are sleeping in a cave when they hear a noise outside. Jay is shot by Catherine's husband, who is later shot by Catherine in anger. Jay miraculously survives the gunshot, stands up, and is embraced by Catherine. I fully expected both men to die, leaving Catherine alone in the wilderness to decide her own fate. With this ending, William chooses to let the full orchestra celebrate their victory with the love theme. So, there's a lot of plot that I didn't get into because it's not important to this discussion. I feel like I should tell you the meaning of the title, though. 
The title refers to Jay's dead wife, a Native American woman named Cat Dancing. You probably thought it was something along the lines of Dances with Wolves, with there being a scene of Burt Reynolds dancing next to a house cat or maybe a mountain lion, but it's just the name of his dead wife. In any case, I'm not sure about this love theme. It's pretty nice, but there isn't much there to stick in my brain. But apparently Williams thought it was good enough to expand into a song and asked the famous lyricist Paul Williams to supply some lyrics. The result was the song Dream Away, which was not in the film, but did get a commercial release in fall 1973 when Frank Sinatra recorded it for his comeback album, Old Blue Eyes is Back. Five years later, Paul Williams sang the song for his album called Here Comes Inspiration. The song starts with the chorus, which features new music by Williams. After that is the first verse, which relies on the love theme from the man who loved cat dancing. The lyrics don't really apply to any action or plot from the man who loved cat dancing. It seems to be just its own standalone song. Now, since Williams served as conductor for Paul Williams' version, that's the one I'll play here. Dream away, child. Let your dreams run wild over a lifetime of worries could claim you. Dream away. Child, let your dreams run wild Oh, the years and the tears shed Might tame you For the last time we have tasted Love's sweet tears by the fire's glow if our hearts are strong, there'll be no long goodbyes when it's time to go. But the strongest hearts are sometimes broken, as the deepest vows aren't always spoken. And the greatest wounds we hide inside ourselves where they never show. So dream away, child. Let your dreams run wild For a lifetime of worries could claim you It's no coincidence that Paul Williams would write the lyrics for this song. Paul and John Williams were set to work on the film Cinderella Liberty that fall, with the two collaborating on two original songs for that film. But before we get to Cinderella Liberty, let's talk about the paper chase in the next episode. Its score was recorded before The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing, but was released four months after The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing. So, that's why the Paper Chase episode is next in our journey. I'm looking forward to talking to you about that score, a score that allowed Williams to dabble in a couple of different musical styles. I hope to have you join me for it. Until then, the baton is down. Mm-hmm.